Welcome to the Monday Minute of the Huntsback Country Podcast. These are shorter and more informal episodes where we answer your listener questions. Joined as usual by Steve. How are you, man? Ah, uh, good. Yeah, another another fun weekend. Kind of wrapping up summer here. Took the kids camping and fishing. And nice. Just letting them. We we're just talking previously about just letting kids be kids and go explore. And yeah, uh, so the kids they were with my nephews who are like I think ten and. 11 now you know so they're a little older and they're just yeah it was so awesome they're just packing around bows and arrows and just <laughs> hunting stuff and it was, yeah it was, i just sat back as a parent and just watched and yeah, it was pretty cool my little boy's like you know he's four so he's just bopping along with him like pretending to shoot and yeah it was, it was freaking awesome yeah that's super cool yeah it feels very uh like a big transition for sure. Cause I'm leaving for Alaska later this week. I took my son back to school this morning. So now it's very much like so in my mind, like summer's over, like get back to school, get some hunting in. Like it's exciting times. It's sad for summer to be over, but so much fun stuff ahead. Yeah. We even had this kind of that, uh, I think that Hillary storm, um, pushed some like cold weather and rain and stuff up here. So it's like mm-hmm. very fall esque weather outside right now. Rainy, kind of in the 60s like it's yeah definitely gets the uh oh man i wish i was in the elk woods right now kind of feeling going yeah for sure what is speaking of just time of year summer wrapping up hunts coming soon what's an update from an exo standpoint because it's uh i feel like it's just been a whirlwind of august already and i feel like august just started but somehow it's the 20 something today first of all thank you to everybody listening who's purchased a pack um (laughs) it's been uh been a whirlwind man it's like middle of june hit and it's just like we've been drinking from a fire hose ever since it's uh just been freaking crazy there's sales have been fantastic so it's we're the what we're running into right now is our production capabilities can't keep up with demand so uh you know we build up as much inventory as we can with k4 obviously we're pretty limited um you know just going into it's a new product but uh, it's starting to dwindle and dwindle fast. Like we're certainly five or six items are out of stock on the website and we're uh, kind of, yeah, just all hands on deck, making sure that we keep stuff in stock and also filling orders. I was ended up in the warehouse oh, for three of the five days last week, just helping ship all day long. Cause that was like the most pressing, you know, thing that, that could be done. Right. It was just making sure we get orders out the door. Cause it was getting pretty, uh, pretty healthy backlog you know we try to keep it as short as possible but it was getting to where it was like yeah four or five days on a couple orders um or more than a couple <laughs> um so yeah it, anyways uh but we we made some serious headwind last week and got got caught up and um yeah that's the fun thing about being a small company is it's just every, everybody jumps in and just does whatever that needs to be done to help out and um yeah i love it yeah it's the um it's come up more and more recently i think is like a guy will get on and like last week for example for a little bit we had 3600s out of stock and one of the certain colors or like a hip belt will be out of size out of stock in a certain color and a certain size and um one thing that has come up more than the last week i think because of that is guys asking about hey can you mix and match colors and have like a different color bag and frame and lid and stuff like that um and you certainly can you can piece together a pack system with all the components the price will come out the same 
Um, so if by chance somebody is just wondering about that, and I only bring it up because it's come up a lot recently, it's totally doable. Um, a lot of times it looks really cool doing some color combinations. You can even obviously kind of match or mix accessories in with that and create it. But um, yeah, if you guys get to look in online, if you have any questions about something that um, isn't showing in stock, reach out and let us know. And then if you're seeing something and it says add to cart, I mean, that means it's ready to ship. So uh, again, like we're, we're getting questions, guys just get nervous this time of year of like, hey, am I really going to get this in the next call it two weeks or what have you? Um, and as you just said, Steve, like our lead times, we're getting it down two to four business days should be probably going lower. Um, and we can definitely get you guys set up with whatever you need. But if you have any questions or anything, just reach out direct. Um, it's the best way to get an answer from us yeah. is pick up the phone, give us a call or shoot us an email. Yeah. One of our, going back to being small, like in our, the relationship with, have our, with our so shop is we are incredibly nimble right now. Like we're Pat, you know, a good portion of his day is just monitoring where we have basically low stock alerts. Like, oh, these are going to run out. These are going to run out. And then we're constantly working with the so shop like hey you need to bump you know medium ranger hip belts up to the front of the list and within 10 days we're going to get them right um so if i'd say the best thing to do if something's out of stock you're going to reach out but also just sign up for the low stock notification uh email so just uh when it's out of stock right below it you can sign up for that email and then just pay attention because within certainly within two weeks i, I don't think there's anything that's going to be out of stock longer than that uh, it's just a matter of like we the rifle carriers have been a good example. Like they've we sold a pile of those things and then they went out of stock and then we re- we got some in, received them and uh, they were almost out of stock again. There was such a long list of people that had already signed up for the, the notification that it went quick. So if you see it, um, yeah, definitely jump on it pretty quick. All right, enough business. Let's get to some questions. Yeah, get to um, fun stuff. Yeah, fun. this is, I think, a fun one. <laughs> uh, all right, this guy wrote in and said, am I taking weight and space savings in my pack too far? He said he's going on an eight an eight day elk hunt and he normally carries like a 56 pack of wet wipes, which is seven per day for this eight day hunt. He says that pack of 56 wet wipes weighs 14 and a half ounces. And he realized how much weight that is just because of moisture content. So now he has dehydrated his wet wipes vacuum sealed them in packs of 14 which one pack should last him for two days and it saved a ton of space and weight in his pack so he went from like 14 ounces down to a little over an ounce um, per package so he's total savings doing this for everything is like about 10 ounces for all these little packs that he's dried and sealed so he's asking am i crazy have i gone too far i haven't heard of anyone else doing this so steve you're on team wet wipe like you don't do any Uh, tp but you're also you're also a weight weenie so what are your thoughts on this seven wipes a day seems excessive i don't want to talk about his (laughs) uh foodies packing now (laughs) (laughs) a lot of a chipotle or something um yeah let's uh, go there let's let's go to the tmi (laughs) how many wipes a day do you shoot for i think two okay yeah two other right. bigger wipes but yeah usually i mean you know yeah that should be good i want to say well let's let me think about this <laughs> the so the 10-day hunt last year my sheep hunt i packed two packages of wet wipes 
I can, no, I guess I'm lying. I guess I'm four because there's there's 20. I think there's 20 in each package. So that's 40 wipes. So that's four per day. Okay. And I that's felt exactly like that was, where I'm at. That's that was plenty. Yeah. Yeah. And that's usually, uh, yeah, I don't, I haven't had any quote unquote issues where I've like had emergency wet wipe situations really that I can remember. So, um, but yeah, I'll do four a day and that's plenty for doing business and then also leaving me some wet wipes to like just clean up with wash you know do a little Mm -hmm. wet wipe bath so i feel that in terms of just doing the duty for me anyway like four days has always been plenty yeah um as far as dehydrating them uh that's pretty smart i think somebody does that ben reynolds maybe when we talk to him the alaska sheep hunter guy somebody dehydrates their wipes i've heard of it before um the you know i would say when he said eight day elk hunt so many guys think we just had a guy walk in the shop the other day and i was like in my office i can hear all the conversations out in the showroom you know and he's like i'm going in for 14 days and then in my head i'm like no you're not like um like because i mean the reality is it's so rare unless you're in that Alaska type situation where you're really invested, you've, you know, you take a super cub into a certain area. It's so rare that you're not resupplying after day four, day five, you know, in the elk woods. Cause you're never getting with elk. You obviously have this limitation of how far you're going to get from the truck, right? Like, uh, you know, five miles, six miles. I mean, at some, at some point it's, you know, especially if you're solo, you're not, you're not going so far back there that getting to the truck and resupplying isn't, you know, just a couple hour kind of, you know, time commitment. So mm-hmm. um, when, he, when my very first reaction was this guy, I said eight day elk kind of it's like, yeah, you're probably, you're probably not actually going to do that. You, you probably need to pack for like four nights and then you're going to resupply um, in the middle of that trip. Cause if you haven't killed something after, you know, four nights, five days in the field, you're already thinking about, okay, where's, Where's plan B? Where am I going next? Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, elk just, it's just a different thing. If it's like a deer hunt, I could see like getting in somewhere and camping on a buck and waiting for the right opportunity. And certainly some guys hunt elk that way, but um, in general that I just think it's, you know, eight days would be a pretty, pretty long hunt to be completely away from the truck and not resupplying. But uh, even let's say it's, you know, he is going to do that or it's a different type of hunt where that's the case. Um, you know, saving weight and space is, is everything. So I'm, I don't disagree with what he's doing at all. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe, um, doing, you know, day five through eight, you dehydrate those wipes. And then the first four days you're not dehydrating them. Cause it's like immediately the second you get in the field, you got to rehydrate something already. So that seems a little, mm-hmm. um, what did he say? He did two days at a time. Yeah. So he was taken. Okay. He was taking 14 wipes that he had dehydrated, yeah. vac sealing them. And then he would, so okay. he, had a, he would have, say, four of those packages. Yeah. He would pull those 14 wipes, put them in a Ziploc, add water. So now he has like 14 kind okay. of like in process to be rehydrated. Yeah, man, that makes, I'm going to give this a shot. I like this idea. All right. Yeah. You should do it yeah. for your sheep hunt and let us know how it goes. <laughs> I do. I like what you said, Steve, about. And and this goes back to, hey, how many do you really need? So, like, if this guy's freaking out about hearing us talk about only needing four per day, and he's really like, man, I really think I need seven per day. Going back to your point, 
like maybe the extras, maybe this margin of safety for how many you have total, like those are dehydrated um, because you may mm. never need them. Right. So I think that yeah. that's a great idea of like, hey, I think I'm, you know, call it then like what you said, Steve, and then in the next four days, like let me have 14 or 20 that aren't dehydrated or what have you. And like basically when I get to the end of that, whether that's in two, three, four, five days, then I have this extra supply that's dehydrated, smaller, wider, et cetera. So I, yeah, I kind of like the mixed idea. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. The two days at a time makes a lot of sense. I'm going to have to give it a shot and see, like, I wonder how much you put them into a Ziploc and do you add an ounce of water, two ounces of water? I guess you could figure out what the, you could just weigh, same thing I did when I did the, those first meals is weigh it, weigh a wipe, you know, your 14 wipes prior to drying them out and then that tells you how much water you need to put back in to get them to the same place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. New ideas, man. That's exciting. Yeah. I, I like the combo approach because part of where my head went through this original question and having everything be dry and then having to re- rehydrate stuff. Like part of what I didn't like about this idea was we talk a lot about keeping things simple and efficient, right? And it, mm-hmm. when you create complexity and chores in the backcountry, it's taking away, I know it sounds crazy, but it's taking away from the hunt, right? So if you have to worry about, oh gosh, I need to rehydrate this and do that and have the system in this process, like the less things you have to take care of, the better. So from a simplicity standpoint, I didn't like this whole dry out repackage, like it's time on the front end, it's time during the hunt, it's something you have to have some mental capacity to, even though again, it's very simple, but I just like to keep things simple. Um, but yeah, this combo approach of like having your reserves dehydrated, I'm liking it. Yeah. And I'm less, um, I got food and wipes, probably the only two I could think of, but consumable goods out there, right. That I'm a little less concerned about that because the pack weight's getting lighter every single day. It's not, you mm-hmm. know, if you were taking, uh, you know, your sleeping bag and going from 14 ounces to one ounce, uh, I'd be like, you know, all for it, right? Because that's weight you're packing around all the time. But with wipes and food, you know, I, I tend to, especially on the, you know, if it's not like a crazy long hunt, I just kind of overpack a little bit because um, they are just, you know, again, every day you're you're dropping a pound and a half of food um, and the wipes are, you know, an ounce. So you're dropping food in a combination of ways since we're talking about food and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> taking and a dump. <laughs> All right. Well, if you guys never anticipated us nerding out on wet wipes and taking a dump on the podcast, you're welcome for that section right there. All right. Steve, this question came through. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great because I have zero experience. I want to hear from you on it. Discovered and said, I've heard Mark and Steve talk about Kawa spotters when discussing high-end options along with Swar- Swarovski. As I thought about it, I don't recall Kawa coming into discussions when talking about high-end binoculars. Have I just Mm -hmm. missed their name in the discussions, or has Kawa dropped the ball when it comes to their bino lines? A quick glance online shows that their flagship bino is about $1,400, which is certainly a far cry from Swaro. I've never, that I can recall, looked through any Kawa binos. Yeah, they have, um, what are they called, Genesis or something like that? I, it's been so long since I looked. So short answer: they make them. They're just not they're not garbage, but there there's better options out there, even for um, the money. Yeah, 
they're um, like an SLC would have been a, a yeah Genesis. Um, so the Coward Genesis binoculars, uh, like an SLC from Swaro would have been better at a similar price point, right? Uh, they did discontinue the SLC, so I, that now you're competing with the ELs. Um, but they are, well, yeah. Um, they they just haven't been. Uh, we've we've reviewed them, we've looked through them, we've you know it, it makes a lot of sense for us to sell them through SNS Archery just because we already sell their spine scopes, but we just don't. We very much like pick and choose what items we want to put on the website, and if it's not an item that essentially at the end of the day we sell what we use and believe in and what we can talk about with like hey we use these we've compared them to others these are fantastic you know you basically trust us the the cow is a good example of one that we've looked through and go eh they're not that great you know um so the just combination of the glasses good but not outstanding and ergonomics and features and things like that yeah so they're decent just got a lot of better options to recommend yeah, and I think it's one of those examples of, you know, these companies use different factories. And so I think they're, um, you know, the spine scopes are made in a kind of more premium Japan factory. And I could be completely speaking out of line here, but uh, maybe their binos are made in a different factory somewhere else that doesn't quite have the same standards that their spine scopes do. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we had a speak pipe question come in that I wanted to get some take on about an older pack. Hey guys, this is Steve Powell from Chardon, Ohio. Been using your pack for probably five years now. And um, I'm thinking about treating it with some Nick Wax uh, water repellent um, treatment just to try to keep some of the water beading off in light rain. I was wondering if you had any experience with that and how I might be able to put some type of treatment on the pack so it's just not a sponge because uh, it's pretty pretty worn and uh, likes to absorb a lot of water right now. Thanks. All right, good question. We sometimes get questions about treating packs that are newer or, hey, can I make this thing more waterproof or water resistant um, as it comes out of the box? I don't really recommend anything there, but Steve, for a five-year-old pack that's been well used maybe been through some wash cycles obviously exposed to a lot of field conditions and things like that what's your take yeah absolutely i mean dwr is a surface coating durable water repellent finish and it's it'll rub off and and degrade over time we if you go back and listen to that podcast they did with marcel from uh, canis clothing canis gear uh, you know he we even because rain gear is like the epitome of you want that dwr working right and he gave some great tips in there and i i don't think it'd be any different for a pack i certainly think you know after a few years you know i'd say the first two to three depending on how much you're using the pack it shouldn't you know you're not going to lose too much but after season five yeah certainly grabbing some dwr spray and there's a ton of different ones i personally I don't haven't used any um, myself I know Nick wax is a reputable company though and I'm sure if they have a DWR spray it'd work just fine um, I've used them on tents uh, before I had an old tent that really lost some of its kind of um, water resistance and I've used them on some boots before as well uh, so I can't remember the maybe it's Granger spray yeah I, I mean, got one. Look, no, Granger okay 
Yeah, Granger. That's what I've got. That I've used that. Actually, I used that on my boots and then some Prana Zions I had when we went into the um, Frank Church Death Hike in the Snow. I like right a week before I sprayed those pants, and uh, man, that was was pretty impressive. Like my pants never actually saturated through. The only thing I noticed was a very distinct odor to it. Right, like it had a chemical kind of rubbery type smell um, that. I think basically it was was on there until like a couple of washings later, right? And then at that point, you probably washed off the the uh, stuff. Um, so, anyways, uh, it certainly, uh, you know, I don't think it's a bad idea. Maybe if you're a a bow hunter, I'd pay attention to the reviews and see which ones leave more or less of a the or less of an odor behind. But uh, it, they they work, um, and if you're hunting in a really wet climate, it's, it's certainly a good idea. It'd be interesting to. Remember in the podcast with Marcel, he talked about the best thing you can do is put the um, your rain jacket in the dryer on a not high heat, but but heat, mm-hmm. and because uh, that realigned the fibers. I have to like try that on an old pack, like wash it good, and then throw it in the just throw the bag in the dryer. Right, you're not gonna throw the frame. I won't even mess with the hip belt and harness because certainly not the hip belt and harness because the heat with with the foam would not be a good combination. The yeah. foam is gonna shrink. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if you just threw a bag in there, threw a couple like, you know, towels in it so the buckles aren't just clanking all over the inside of the dryer wall uh, and see if that does anything. And I was going to say on that on that point about the heat, but also just make sure it's clean before you do the application of the DWR. Um, yeah. So obviously you want to get any soiled debris and all that stuff out of the fabric so that when you are adding this treatment, you're treating the fabric and not, you know, a layer of film and dust and dirt and all that junk. So... Yeah, I will link to that podcast too. I'm glad you mentioned that, Steve. That was a fantastic podcast. I would actually like to go back and listen to because there's so much information um, in it. I looked it up. It's episode 345. It's called How Rain Gear Works and Why Sometimes It Doesn't. Um, again, I'll leave a link to that in the show description as well. But when you mentioned Marcel and Canis and Rain Gear and DWR, if you want to nerd out on any of that stuff, um, that's a great podcast to go listen to. All right, let's hit one more. This question also came through via SpeakPipe about hunting solo for elk. Hey, guys, this is Tad here in Illinois. I had a question about calling and hunting elk solo. Um, Pre-rut, I guess, mostly, but could go into the rut as well. Um, Have either of you ever used um, a decoy in your solo calling setups, or, or what are some strategies you use when when calling by yourself um and some setups that that have worked in the past thanks again appreciate what you do bye all right that's a great question we just recently did a monday minute episode actually just last week with Corey jacobson um and we talked a lot about um some things that would help this guy out and on this question in particular uh, because one of the questions we answered on that podcast which was also from a listener had to do with um, this listener sharing his story of hunting elk solo. And he, in the last six years, has gotten more and more confident, a better caller, having more encounters. He was talking about he was finding elk better, but he was just struggling to seal the deal with that last little bit of being in bow range and creating a shot opportunity. Um, And decoys came up in that briefly. Um, But I just want to say that that previous conversation, the previous Monday Minute with Corey Jacobson, to address this question in particular, 
not only about decoys, but just about hunting elk solo and creating shot opportunities. There's a lot in there to pull from. So definitely want to point people to that if they didn't hear it already. But Steve, what's your thoughts about decoys in particular for someone who's hunting elk solo? Yeah, as a general, like if you have, say you're hunting with a group of three guys, you got a a caller, a shooter, and an extra guy. I think it's, there's nothing but good can come from having that third guy pack a decoy where he could kind of run, like get in between, you know, be next to the caller and, uh, and help pull an elk by you. Um, we used to pack the Montana decoys. I think I used like the cow butt one and, uh, I packed it around for, I'd say like three to four years, not on every hunt, but most hunts. And I, it did nothing but help. It's just, especially from a solo perspective that that same time we were filming our hunts and it was like a cameraman i was trying to like you're trying to be caller cameraman and run a decoy it was just too much right and from a solo perspective like those at least that montana decoy man that's that's tough you know it's like you're you you're got your bow in one hand your decoy in one hand because it's never that perfect scenario where a bull bugles you go right to 100 yards you set up once and you call a man like you know, that that's pretty rare. That happens. Typically it's, you know, you get within a hundred yards and then you call it, you set up and you call again and he's moved off and then you got to grab the decoy, you know, move another 50 yards this way. And you're just playing cat and mouse where you're trying to manage that decoy the entire time that uh, I think it just better off, like, you know, less is more in that situation, especially, especially solo. Uh, so yeah, I, we've, there was uh, one elk and, I like 1000% in particular, I killed with a buddy probably back in 2008. Maybe it was the first year of packing decoys where we were basically hiking out and then came like I distinctly remember like, like you know, hiking down a hill and then I, I looked to my left and I saw a bull and he caught movement at the same time. And I had just stepped past a pine tree. So I just stepped back, got the decoy and he's probably at like 80 yards got the decoy out and then just kind of scooted the decoy out from the tree, you know, and put it down so he could see it. And then my buddy who was behind me just kind of snuck to the left. And then that bull just came right to us. Um, like not in a million years would have that happened. Uh, if I had not had the decoy, right. He would have seen the movement and what the heck is that? And then would have, you know, stared, 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 and then boogered out of there. Uh, so yeah, I don't think it hurts at all. It's just, it's, um, you know, it, it almost falls in line, in my opinion, especially from a if I'm backpacking mentality to what you talked about earlier with the wipes and having like extra things you got to manage and worry about. Uh, it's it falls in line with that. So you plenty of elk have been killed without decoys that uh, you can certainly do it without. Yeah. As far as strategy goes, just calling, man, I yeah, I think I still got some work to do there. We should get uh, Boshma on. He's killed quite a few bulls solo where he's. He does a pretty good job, like, you know, running around and, you know, I, I think he, you know, he'll call and rake something and then run up 50 yards. And he, I know he's killed three or four bulls solo calling them in bow season. Uh, I'd be curious to uh, pick his brain on that. Yeah. Yeah, I was in line with you and I heard this question of just four solo in particular. For me, it would be too much to manage. There's already enough going on. I think the only exception I could see myself personally packing a decoy solo is if I knew I was going to be in a bit more of an ambush style hunting situation or um, I knew I was going to be 
doing some setups where there's just more open country where maybe I'm doing more mm-hmm. of a cold call or ambush or I, I'm doing something less less dynamic and more of like, hey, I can use this decoy because I'm setting up here and I want to help draw something, but I'm not anticipating on using a decoy solo to be in a very dynamic like type of run and call type environment. So it'd just be much more, there's some more open country opportunity with more fixed or static setups, whether that's cold calling or or something along those lines, then I think it's okay, at least for me. But yeah, the, the idea of being in the elk woods in these dynamic situations and calling and moving in a bow and a decoy is just way for me too much complexity. Like, yeah. Uh, maybe there's somebody who can do it well. I just know, like, maybe it's my own limitation yeah. of I can't do that. Like, that's way too much <laughs> going on. Yeah. And there's those um, decoys that like attach to your quiver. Have you seen that? And you like yeah. shoot, shoot through it. To yeah. me, I always like, the first thing I thought of was like, you just ta- attached a sail to your bow. Like it wouldn't take, but the slightest thermal to be like yanking your bow all over the place at full draw. Um, but maybe, you know, if it's dead calm outside, uh, maybe they work quite well. I don't know. Cause that, that would be obviously something that's like mobile and it's just with you the whole time. But at the same time, you're, you know, it's like, you'd want to put that decoy like off to the side or behind you and be a distraction, but I don't know. Maybe it works. All right, guys. Well, we uh, talked solo elk. We talked poop. We talked, you know, old <laughs> packs and DWR. Lots of good stuff. Thanks as always for sending in the questions and for the variety of questions. Uh, it would be fun even like maybe mid-season to get some questions from you guys, like stuff we could kind of talk about in real time or, you know, as we get into obviously September and archery season. Um, if you guys are looking ahead to some rifle hunts or just have different contexts or scenarios you want to hear about, feel free to reach out, send us your questions to podcast at exomountaingear.com. Or if you want to leave an audio message, like some of those questions you heard today, just look for the link in the show description that says leave a message. And uh, you can do that from whatever device you're on. As always, thanks for tuning in. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app so that you receive future episodes automatically. Best of luck on your upcoming hunts. Enjoy it. And we'll talk to you soon.